0: So, if you have your Bibles or your electronic devices, you can turn with me. Uh, we're, in the, we're in a brand new series this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 is where we're going to be this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. And we're starting a brand new uh, series through these, through these scriptures in, in Ephesians called A Lost Connection. And we're going to look at the issue today. The, the topic is, or the sermon title is this, Are You Still on up? Now, I don't know if you remember dial-up days. Remember dial-up days? I hated dial-up days, especially that the noise that the modem made. Uh, some of you that are you're younger, you have no clue what I'm talking about, but, but in the old days. See, I remember a time before the internet, before Al Gore invented it and those guys. And so, uh, and, and, and so remember when it was doing the handshake and the connection and that that, 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 that whole noise and how annoying that noise was? and then how unstable the modem was in those days of the internet was in those days and and sometimes you could lose a connection sometimes you could break a connection and so all the t- I and mean, so always the connection was just really really slow and so we're going into this ser- series and, and Paul begins talking because remember I've told you that that the first books that, that Paul has written in the Bible the first part of the book is theology or doctrine the second part is application and we're, we're in the application portion of, of, of Ephesians uh, with, with this doctrine, with this theology, here's, here's how you live it out in your life. And so we're looking at this issue, Are you still on dial-up, and we're looking at this issue of, of relationships, that there's things that can happen in relationships that can cause you to break a connection, that cause you co- to lose a connection, and it can cause you problems, or it can give you frustration. And so that's what we're looking at this morning as we start this series, A Lost Connection. And so here's what the Bible says, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Here's what the Scripture says. It says, Therefore... This morning, I'm going to give you just two principles as we look at this topic together. The first principle is this, that that if I'm going to live a life under control, if I'm going to live a life where I don't break those connections, if I'm going to live a life to the very best of my ability with the relationships around me, the first one is this, I must control my words. In other words, I must come to the point and mature and I must control my words. Paul said this. Paul makes a statement. And Paul says, be willing to put away all falsehood. In other words, that means to, to speak with honesty. That means to speak with, with, with truth. That means to, uh, to let your yes be yes and your no be no. In uh, fact is, Ephesians 4.15, let's just look at it. Here's what Ephesians 4.15 says. He says, rather, speaking the truth in love. I mean, let me tell you something. In relationships, it is self-deception to think. That we can lie in love. We can be dishonest in love. Uh, we can be deceptive in love. And so that's just a false belief. It is a false belief to believe that, you know what, I can live in deception and have deep relationships around me. And so Paul says this rather learn to speak the truth in love, that we're to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ. Now listen, a lot of times I'll hear people, maybe you've heard people say things like, "Well, you know what? The reason I wasn't honest with you, I didn't want to hurt you." The reason I really wasn't honest with you, that I didn't want to hurt you, I didn't want to make you feel uncomfortable. So the reason I wasn't honest with you, I I didn't want to hurt you. But yet scripture says just the opposite. Scripture says this when we're not honest with each other, it hurts the other person. When we're deceptive, it hurts the other person. A lot of times, the real truth is the reason someone isn't honest with you is because it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do about them. And they know it may come at a cost to them, or it may hurt them. And so Paul says that he uses this term in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. He says, speaking the truth, speaking the truth in love. Well, that, 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 that phrase, or those three words, speaking the truth, in the Greek is just one word. And it's, in a, it's called, a, in the tense of that word, it's just so interesting to me, the tense of that word is, is present tense, present active participle. And a present active participle in the Greek is this. It has present tense implication and it has future tense implications. See, see, we're used in English that English words only have one tense, past, present, future. Not so in the Greek. And so this word, speaking the truth in love, in the Greek means it has continual action. In other words, it has action today, it has action tomorrow, and it has action the next day. In other words, what Paul is saying, that, that I am continually. I mean, it's just not a one-time thing. I mean, it's a consistent thing to I'm continually speaking the truth in love. Now listen, for us to have uh, relationships around us that are built on trust that are deep relationships there's three statements or three commitments that, that we should make in those relationships or the first one is this is that is that is that I I don't conceal the truth. In other words I'm not gonna hide the truth I'm not gonna conceal the truth because whenever we conceal the truth whenever we hide the truth whenever we're dishonest in relationships it causes problems in the relationship. And guess what? It can build resentment and bitterness and it can build mistrust. In other words, we have to come to the place to face our issues with honesty. Because if I don't and if you don't face our issues with honesty in relationships, then eventually we're going to have problems. And the first thing is this, is that we have to come to the place to where we say, you know what, I'm not going to conceal the truth. And the second statement is this, and I'm going to continually tell the truth. In other words, speaking the truth in love, in other words, is speaking the truth has continual action. And let's just be clear. Being honest 80% of the time is not honesty, right? Being honest, being honest 90% of the time isn't, isn't speaking the truth in love. I mean, ha, have you ever had someone conceal some of the truth from you? Parents, you ever asked your teenagers, hey, where are you going tonight? Man, we're going to Johnny's house. And then we're going, but what they didn't tell you is, then after Johnny's house, they're going to Sarah's house, they're going to Bobby's house, they're going to Sonic, they're going to the movies in some other place. Have you ever, ever asked a husband or a wife, have you ever asked rela- someone in your relationship with, and you've asked them a question and they've kind of concealed some of the truth from you? And a lot of times people say, well, you know what, that was just what? That was a, a white lie. Well, guess what? A white lie is a lie. And being honest, 80% of the time is not speaking the truth in love. And this issue of deception, the dangerous part of this issue of deception is this. Deception always destroys trust in a relationship. And if you live life where you're not speaking the truth in love, where you're deceptive, you will never have deep relationships around you. It takes a long time to make old friends. It takes a long time to make old friends, and old friends come as a result of continually speaking the truth in love, where there's not deception and there's trust. If I told you in your home that your drinking water in your home is going to be safe 80% of the time, 20% of the time, it may be raw sewage. We don't know what's coming through. You're just you. are never going to know when. Would you still still feel safe drinking water from your home? Absolutely not. And the same is true in relationships. The third statement that we must make if we want to have these connections that last and these connections that develop is this: is I have to speak the truth in love. In other words, I have to come to the place to where I don't I don't use truth as a bat. I don't use truth as a weapon. I, I, don't, I don't use truth as something that, that can harm someone or hurt someone. Listen, let me tell you something. People, when, people will always perceive truth without love as an attack. If you don't know that that other person loves you, if you don't know that that other person has your best interest, interest at heart, it may, it may be truth, but you will never perceive it as truth. You will always perceive it as an attack. There are many, many, many people that are great at speaking the truth without love. It takes maturity to learn how to speak the truth with love, without a personal attack, without words, without accusations, without any of those other things. And can I tell you this? There are a lot of churches that are great at speaking the truth, but without love. And they wonder why they don't grow. And they wonder why they don't attract people. And they wonder why people don't follow Christ in those environments. Second thing is this, that if I'm going to live a life under control, and if I'm going to live a life in such a way that I don't have these lost connections, I don't have these broken relationships, the second principle is this, and I'm telling you, this is an emotional one, I must learn to control my anger. I mean, I must learn to control my words, I must learn to control my mouth, I must learn to control my anger Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, he says, be angry. So, so let, let's stop right there and let's take a deep breath and let's, let's realize, let's understand that anger is a human emotion. Even Jesus was angry, okay? So, uh, so, so anger is a human emotion. Anger is an emotion that we all feel. Uh, anger is not the problem. Anger is not the issue. Anger is not really what Paul is talking about. Paul is talking about how do we respond to our anger? How do we process our anger? How do we handle our anger? And that's why he says, be angry and do not sin. So in your sin, do not, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to such a huge statement. We'll understand that. And give no opportunity for the, for the devil. Aristotle is the one that said this. Aristotle said anyone can become angry that is easy but to be angry with the right person to the right degree at the right time for the right purpose in the right way that is not easy so what Paul is talking about Paul is not so much talking about the emotion of anger because because that's a human thing we all have it what Paul is talking about is this issue of uncontrolled anger, or this anger that's just out-of-bounds are, I mean, when you start looking at statistics, and you start talking to counselors, and and you start realize the damage that is done in our society because of ab, because of uncontrolled anger is absolutely staggering. It's tied to almost every violent crime, but it's not just in crime. Uncontrolled anger. When you start talking to to counselors, and you start you start uh, uh, going deeper into this subject, you realize that uncontrolled anger is is the cause of. Of the majority of, of of divorces, and they'll say anger has a ha, plays a role in in every one of them, and and in marriages there there may not be a legal separation, there may not be a divorce, but but often there ends up this emotional separation because of uncontrolled anger, because of this issue of of, of there's not trust, and because there's deception, and because of all those other things, and in parents who who did not learn how to control their anger and can can wound. Their children, and, and most often their children grow up in adulthood and to repeat the same patterns that they, that they learned in the home. And Paul's going to help us understand that, that this issue of anger, anger is a learned behavior. And that's good news. And let me tell you why it's good news. Because if it's a learned behavior, it can be an unlearned behavior. And you look at this issue of uncontrolled anger and you realize people have lost jobs and people have lost relationships, they've lost friends, people have lost entire careers and professions and because of uncontrolled anger, people are strained from their kids or they're strained from their their mom or their dad and and the Bible helps us to understand that we, we all have anger and we all have to deal with anger and and sometimes anger takes on a more subtle form that is not sometimes is, is obvious. Someone gets anger, angry, they just withdraw emotionally from people. And they begin to throw up walls and they begin to, to build walls. And, and here's the crummy thing about walls is um, walls may protect you from some bad stuff coming in. But it also keeps some good stuff from coming into your life. Someone gets angry, and so they just withhold affection. They just want the other person to know that they're angry and some people resort to hurtful comments and they just become passive aggressive or they're resentful or they're they're bitter, and they just they're just a they're just a running commentary on negative, critical comments, and they may not even realize that they're doing, but doing that. And Paul says, here's the and Paul says, in your, in, in your anger, he's talking to everyone. Anger is a part of being a human. And so, so Paul says, in your anger, and Paul says this, that anger is internal, not external. In other words, anger starts out internal. Anger is something that happens internal. In other words, the you're that's inward, and so there's, a, there's an inward movement of anger, that's where anger starts, and there's an outward movement of anger. There's an inward anger, uh, movement of anger, and that, that's in us, that's something that's going on inside of us. And then there's an outward movement of anger, and that's how we handle it. And so you may have believed a false belief, or someone may have taught you a false belief that says that, that well, the reason I'm angry is because of an external source. It's because um, I'm angry at you. If you hadn't have said that, if you hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have responded this way. If you hadn't have if you hadn't acted in that place, if you hadn't have made that decision, it's, and, and, so, and it's because of something external is the reason I'm angry. Guess what? That's a false belief. fact is, when you look at statistics, you realize that people generally get angry at two different things. We get angry at, at objects or people, right? I mean, objects, whether it's a copier machine, a lawnmower, or something like that, are, are, are people. And so, but what Paul is trying to help us understand is, is this issue of anger. It's a choice that we make, and anger is internal, not external. External is the expression of it, but anger is internal. I mean, that object, that copier machine, that, that lawnmower or whatever, it never intended to make you mad. In other words, this, and I know it's a little weird to talk about, but we got to come to the place where we understand anger is internal. Guess what? I make me mad. You make you mad. I mean, in relationships, it'd be healthy when we get angry and it's out of control or whatever. We say, hey, I'm sorry. I make me mad. It has nothing to do with you, it can have something to do with my uh, insecurities, it can have something to do with my selfishness. It could have something to do with some, maybe some resentment and some bitterness that's going on in my life. Oh, it could have something to do with an emotional wound that is in my heart. And whenever you, whenever you look like that, whenever you sm- smell like that, whenever you touch that wound, I man, I'm responding with anger. And not just to you, but also the person in the past who hurt me. And when you look at this issue, we've got to come to the place of what Paul is trying to help us do is say, take responsibility for your anger. Don't keep blaming objects and people. Don't keep blaming the lawnmower, the, the copier. Don't keep blaming other people. Understand that, guess what, I make me mad. And this issue of anger is internal. That's why Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. In other words, in your anger, learn how to process it. Learn it's internal. And then be careful about how you express it. And there, there's people that will go around and say, you know what, you don't understand, that's just who I am. I mean, that's just that's that's who I am. I just gotta let it fly. I just I just gotta I just I just gotta get it off my chest. I just get it, gotta get it out. Listen, I, I get that, I understand that. I, I worked for a boss at one time when I was in engineering before ministry, he had a sign over his desk that read, um, I don't get ulcers, I give them. He had no friends. He had no deeper, lay- what, what a sad life. And so, so, listen, let me tell you something. If the, if the stakes are high enough, you can control your anger, right? You ever been having an argument or a spiritual discussion in your home? And all of a sudden your cell phone rings? And you're using angry words and you have your angry voice? And you said, hang on hello? Yeah, I'm great. (laughs) Ever done that? No, don't raise your hands. (laughs) Ever been out in public and you're saying some angry stuff and then someone you know walks up, a supervisor, a boss, someone influential in your life, and you shut it down immediately? Listen, let me tell you something. The stakes are high enough. You can control your anger. Well, Paul's trying to get us to understand, the stakes are high enough. Whether it's a cell phone call, whether it's anybody else in, in, coming in, stepping in the race, the, the stakes are high enough. See this statement: as far as I cannot control my anger, I just have to let it fly. Is contrary to Scripture, Proverbs sixteen thirty two: Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit, the, uh, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes the city. And anger. Listen, let me tell you something. The reason people have uncontrolled anger. The reason people express anger in the way that they do is because it's a form of control. It's a form of, it's a form of power. I mean, when you look at this, it, it's, it's a way of, of getting your way. And guess what? Anger will work on the short term, but not the long term. It, anger is so weird. Anger is contagious. Proverbs twenty two twenty four. Make no friendship with a man given to anger. Nor go with a wrathful man, lest, watch this, that's underlined in my Bible, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Have you ever noticed anger's contagious? Just takes one person in the home to get angry and the whole home is angry. Takes one person in a meeting, takes one person at the office, takes one person on a ball field. In fact, is, this issue of anger management. There's tons of studies out about it. Athletes have to, have to deal with anger management costly all the time. And if you've ever been involved in sports, then, then, then you know this. You know you have to control your anger. Fact is, I came across some research, and research has shown that of all sports, of all different forms of sports, golfers are, are poorest in the area of controlling their anger. Actually, I just made that up. I don't even know if that's true, but I know this. I made some of you golfers pretty mad right now, but you got to say, I make me mad. It wasn't pastor. In other words, what Paul is saying is you've got to come to the place, you've got to come to the place you take responsibility for your anger to where you move to the point to where you're not blaming everybody. You're taking, you're, you're taking responsibility for your anger. Uh, Proverbs 29, 11, a fool gives full vent to his, to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. There's a thought that the only way that I process out my anger is just to let it fly, just to let people have it, to get it off my chest and you say if I don't do that, I'll, I'll like explode. And we think that's healthy, but can I tell you what research shows? We Re- research shows that that actually doesn't process anger; it creates more anger in your life, in your heart. Why is it that we only do that with the emotion of anger and not with any other emotions? I mean, why is it that we talk about this anger? That you know what? If I repress it, if I stuff it, and all this other stuff, I'll just like explode. You don't, have, you don't have people saying, you know what, all these years, all these years I've been holding back joy, right? All these years I've been like stuffing joy and, and I haven't been laughing at all the funny jokes my pastor's been telling and, and I haven't been laughing at these jokes and I haven't been laughing at all this funny stuff and, and I've, rep- I've been repressing anger all of my life and you know what, it's just been building up inside of me and I think I'm going to explode and so you know what, I'm just going to spew joy all over everybody. <laughs> it's only with anger. And, and I don't know. I mean, we got to come to the place you know I I've told you that you know I25 can push your buttons, right? A lot of people talk like there's two lanes to I25. There's a right lane and the left lane. No, there's not. There's a fast lane and a slow lane. And if you're going to drive slow, get out of my lane. <laughs> right? I mean, there's just something about I-25, and, I, I mean, and then, you know what? And then, you know what you I mean, you know what you're supposed to do. If someone's in, in your lane, in the fast lane, and they're going slow, you get right up against them, because they may not know, right? They may not know they're in the wrong lane, and so you get right up against them, and you kind of let them know you're there, and then when they finally pull over, and why do they do this? Why do they pull so slowly over? <laughs> and then they finally get over, and then you, you know this, right? It is totally proper. And when you pass them to look over, and like, right, and, like, give them a look. Like, I mean, it drives my wife nuts. And I'm like, she's like, do we have to do that every time? I said, they got to know. fact is, I'm going to tell you a funny story. It be, it's probably embarrassing on me. Last night after the service, uh, a lady came up to me, and she says, Pastor, i got to tell you what happened. I love that story. You talked about I-25. She said, uh, I was, I was, I was my, my grandmother and I, my grandmother was in the car with me, and this car just totally cut us off. And I'm like, Look at that. And she's I just I just says, Look at that. And my grandmother looked over at me and said, Don't we know him? <laughs> and I looked over here and said, Yes, ma'am, that's that was Pastor Charlie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I drive a green truck, not a tan truck. here, your water. You know, research is really clear in the area that those that just have unbridled anger and just let it fly, it doesn't process anger; it creates more resentment and bitterness in their life. Paul said this. It's so interesting about anger. He said, "Do not let the sun go down on your anger." Karen and I, when we were first married, Karen and I read that verse, and we looked at each other. We made a commitment. We said, "We'll never go to bed angry." We stayed up five years straight. (laughs) So, so what that what that verse is talking about? That verse is talking about learn to process your anger quickly, learn to deal with it quickly. Because if you don't deal with it quickly, it will cause resentment and bitterness in your life, and you have to go to the place where you begin to speak the truth and love. But the problem is, is that many times we, listen, let me tell you something. The problem with anger, many times we never talk to the person that has hurt us. We're talking to everybody else about how that person hurt us. And you know what that does? That creates more people angry at that other person with secondary anger. Now listen, I I think we should have close godly friends that we can talk to and that we can tell that this person hurt me. and And I get that and I understand that. I'm all for that. But that person should be encouraging you to handle it in a biblical way. And they should be encouraging you to go to that person and sit down with that person and talk with that person. Matthew eighteen fifteen says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you've gained a brother. And if he doesn't, Scripture gives instructions. In other words, you come to the place in life to where you you no longer conceal the truth and you you continually tell the truth and and, and you learn to speak the truth in in love. And verse 27 says, and give no opportunity for the devil. That word opportunity in the Greek means to give space, needs to give, give residence to. In other words, he's saying, listen, in your anger, guess what? You give the devil a place in your relationship. You give Satan a place, you give him space. And guess what I'm telling you? He will live in your mind rent-free. He will live in your mind rent-free. He will live in your house rent-free. He will live in your relationships rent-free. And what Paul is saying is a sad thing is this, is that that when we have uncontrolled anger, Then when we have uncontrolled anger, we give Satan a place in our life. And listen, really and truly, that uncontrolled anger, that uncontrolled anger is all about us. Now listen, don't, don't ask me, the name of this, don't ask me the name of this restaurant, because I'm not going to tell you the name of this restaurant. But here a while back, a few years ago, uh, several of the pastors, we all went to lunch. And uh, we're, we ordered uh, chips and salsa. And so the, the waitress came, and she was obviously upset. And so she comes, and she only has a bowl of chips, and she has a squirt bottle of hot sauce, and she puts it down, and she says, I couldn't find the bowls, to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, and so we kind of looked at each other, and so... So, so you know what? Uh, we figured out what to do, and so we would we just shared the bottle. And so, so you'd take a chip, you had the squirt bottle, you'd squirt your hot, squirt your hot sauce on it, take your chip, and you'd pass it to the next guy. We got drinks, but we never got refills. And uh, she took our order, our food comes, and one of our pastors just he had a hamburger and fries, and why he would order that anyway, that doesn't matter. And so. Uh, so he ordered hamburger and fries, and he immediately starts eating his fries. And uh, all of a sudden, he went, took off the top bun of his hamburger to fix his burger, to put his toppings on, and he took off the top bun. And he looks, and he realizes it's not his hamburger. And so by this time, the waitress had come back, and he said, Hey, excuse me, this isn't my burger. And she goes, Oh. And she looks to the two tables over, and she goes, Sam, don't touch your burger. And, and she, she picks up our pastor's burger runs over there after he had, remember, eaten off the plate, and runs over there and swaps plates with him. Yeah, yeah, and comes back and puts it down in front of the pastor's, one of our pastor's guys' plate. And so he kind of felt bad, so he looked over at our new friend, Sam, and so he looked over at Sam and said, Hey, buddy, uh, I ate some of your fries. And he says, No worries. I don't need all those fries anyway. <laughs> and uh, we never got drinks, we never got service, and... And we were a little frustrated, and so all of a sudden, Pastor Dwayne, the godly one of the group, uh, (laughs) said, I'll be back. And so he goes to the kitchen. He steps in the kitchen, and he finds her. And he says, hey, listen, if you'll give me a a pitcher of iced tea and a pitcher of water, I'll I'll help you. I'll go out there. I'll help you. And he says, by the way, you, you okay? And she broke down and started crying and said, no. My roommate died last night she OD'd and I found her I tried to call off today and they told me that if I call off they'll fire me and I'm trying to deal with finding my roommate dead because of an overdose some things going on in my life I'm doing all I can keep things going and Dwayne prayed for her and came back to the table and made us all feel bad I tell you, a lot of times our anger has more to do with us than it has to do with them. You never know what someone's carrying when they're walking into this church. What they're dealing with. What they're processing, what they're walking through. You never know in the office what someone's dealing with and what they're carrying. Sometimes you may not even know of a spouse you may not even understand what that child is is dealing with can you imagine what it would be like to live in relationships where there is no deception to where you didn't conceal the truth and you didn't hold the truth, you spoke the truth in love without anger attacks calling each other names where you build relationships built on trust, where you love one another, you trust one another where you you struggle together as a a couple? Most relationships attack each other instead of uh, attacking the problem. Imagine what it would be like to be angry at the right person to the right degree at the right time for the right purpose in the right way. Imagine what it would be like to move through your daily activities, waiting in line and even in traffic on I-25. Deadlines and and have a sense of peace and calmness because because you're connected with God and you understand His presence and His place in your life. Imagine what it would be like to look at people differently instead of not getting bowls for your chips and you being aggravated, responding to them without anger or hostility and any of those other things. Imagine your words being filled not with sarcasm sarcasm and anger and criticism. What would it be like? Stop using words that wounds the soul of people and those that mean the most to you. Never having to look a child into the eyes of a child and see fear or resentment or bitterness come back not having to deal with the embarrassment of letting it fly and saying, I wish I could take that back. Proverbs fourteen seven: a man of quick temper acts foolishly and a man of evil devices is hated. Imagine what it would be like, people hurting you, and you not feeling like you have to lash back or attack get even imagine when you talk to people and they don't have to hear about all the people who have hurt you and wronged you and been angry at you and what they've said about you they don't have to hear about your resentment and your anger and your bitterness instead you give words of life because you're living a life connected with God And you're living an abundant life. Would you bow your heads with me and, and close your eyes. Let me ask you this morning, what is God saying to you? Just real quickly, what is God saying to you as a result of this message? What is God saying to you as a result of this message? Maybe this morning you need to accept him for the very first time. Maybe you've never come to that place in your life to where you... You've crossed that line. You've made that commitment. You've asked him to come into your life and forgive you of your sins. Well, this would be the morning for for you to do that. Maybe, Maybe you're a believer. What is God asking you to do? What is your next step? Every one of us has a next step. I have a next step. You have a next step. What is the next step that he has for you to deepen those relationships around you? What has He spoken into your life through His Word this morning? Because we believe God has a Word for every one of us that comforts and supports and refreshes. Maybe this morning you'd say, you know what, I'm, I'm just carrying a burden, and I, I, I need prayer. Well, we want to pray for you. We really do. In fact, this is what we live for. So in just a few minutes after I pray, we're going to stand. And when we stand, if you need prayer in any area of your life, just real quickly as you stand up, would you step out? and begin making your way down to the front. You don't have to walk alone. People will be walking with you. You have to be a member of Fellowship the Rockies. All you have to do is have a burden. We believe God's already revealed it to you, whether you need prayer or not. If you need prayer this morning, in any area of your life, after I pray, we stand, you come. Father, we thank you for this morning. And Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. And Father, we just ask that you pull this church very closely to you. And we will know that we have met with you and that people would respond to you this morning by meeting you for the very first time or through prayer, that burdens would be lifted and Father, prayers would be answered. We thank you for what you're doing in the life of this body. And we look forward to see what you're going to do today. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.